Welcome to Mirepoix Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Schubach. I'm a writer, theater maker, and food enthusiast, and I'm taking you on a journey through food, family, and culture via the lens of food practice and tradition. Our guest today is writer and performer, Ahash Francis. Up first, a word from our sponsors. This is Mirepoix. Welcome, Ahash. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Uh, and you're calling in from California. Yep, Sacramento, California. What a dream. Uh, our first question is a bit of an intro. So it is, who the heck are you? Oh, well, my name is Ahash, and I'm 21 years old. I'm... I was born in Toronto, but I grew up in, to, to, I was born in Toronto to Sri Lankan refugees, but I grew up in Gilroy, California. And I think my food and like my tastes kind of reflect all of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so how long ago did you move to California then? I moved here when I was two. So two? I remember my whole oh, life pretty okay. much, yeah. Yeah, so you've been there for a while. Yeah. Um, awesome, what do you usually say is your favorite food? Um, I think it depends every time somebody asks me, but most of the time I think I say that it's, um, chicken curry, any kind of, any kind of curry. Cause that's just like what I grew up eating all the time. And I used to, I did, I got tired of it when I was a kid, but now when I go home, it's like, it's, it's like comfort food. I don't have it as much as anymore cause I'm not home all the time. So yeah. Chicken curry. Any good curry in the Sacramento metropolitan area? Not better than my mom's or my grandma's. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, there's, there's some spots, definitely. Yeah. Did you ever go to Kathmandu in Davis? Yeah, they were pretty good, yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, not, not Sri Lankan, but... Yeah, North. Pretty decent. Uh, I mostly liked the vibe in there. Like. Yeah, I like, I like the decorations and everything. It's nice there. Yeah, and uh, were you ever there for belly dancing? No, I don't think I ever went Only on Saturday dances. nights. It, I, it only happened once, but it was a big surprise. Like we were sitting there and all of a sudden there was like a performance happening. Whoa, whoa. We were getting dinner before going to see a play or whatever. (laughs) Um, What about, uh, what's your uh, favorite food and beverage pairing? I think I'd have to say anything spicy and then like gallons of milk or Mm -hmm. like yogurt, yogurt, any kind of yogurt drink, mango lassi, like yogurt smoothies. Because I tend to eat too spicy, that's too spicy, and then I'm just dying. Yeah. I just do it to myself. balance, right? Yeah. You need it sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What about, what's your favorite hot breakfast? Hot breakfast. I love eggs, so anything egg-related. Eggs are a staple. How do you like to take your eggs? Omelets are, I think omelets like just mm, yeah. throw a bunch of stuff in there, fry it, and then add the eggs, and then boom, easy breakfast. Oh, yeah. I like, I like, I like eggs and burritos too. I like breakfast burritos. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just so convenient, you know? Did you ever have that breakfast burrito at Delta Venus? Yeah, it was really good. Really? Did you ever have the one at, had the one at Ali, Alibaba's? No. Oh, that was so good. They had this, it was like beef shawarma, eggs, and potatoes, and then they put this like honey tapatio sauce. Oh, honey tapatio. That was, yeah, it's really good. That's awesome. 
I do a lot of breakfast, like tacos at home. I'm not good at wrapping burritos. I never have been. Yeah. Um, but uh, I do a lot of like eggs, cheese, and salsa verde, like mm-hmm. on the regular. Those are good. Those are Definitely. good. Um, I remember, I have a really strong memory of during tech for the bluest eye at mm-hmm. UC Davis, getting one of those breakfast burritos at Delta Venus and then eating it on the walk back. Cause like mm-hmm. we only had so much time, yeah. <laughs> half an hour or something. And I had done some waiting cause it was a Saturday or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like eating this burrito as fast as <laughs> while walking, which is like almost impossible. Yeah. That's the thing with breakfast burritos. You can just like, as you're doing something or as you're like skating or biking or yeah. driving to school or whatever, driving to work, just scarf it down. Sounds dangerous. almost. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, all right, cool. What, uh, what's your favorite theme park or county fair or street festival food? Mm. I like, well, in Gilroy, the, it's like the, we had like the garlic festival uh-huh. because it's the garlic capital of the world. So, <laughs> so yeah, the, they had, they had like all these crazy stuff, like garlic ice cream, garlic, uh-huh. Um, they had like regular stuff, like garlic steak, garlic hot dogs, and stuff. But they had yeah. like other weird stuff, fried fried garlic, garlic ice cream. What was the weirdest one? They made like a garlic, um, garlic peach pie or something. Like they would put garlic in fruit pies and stuff, which oh. was that wasn't very good. <laughs> no, the garlic ice cream was weird too. Yeah, but those are like the unique ones. I think my favorite though is like they have um. Uh, like they had, they had like fruit cups with like tahini or like the the chamoy like the chili sauce. Yeah, because Gilroy's like a mostly like Hispanic Mexican population, so the, there's like a lot of that going on. Like there were elote carts on every yeah. block. So I think the fruit was the best one. The fruit with yeah. the cham- chamoy. Yeah, I like that one. That's awesome. Man, garlic capital of the world. I have no idea. When you drive by, like, because you you pass Gilroy on the way up to like. From from LA to SF, you pass Gilroy, and you always smell garlic as soon as you like on the on the drive. Oh. As soon as you pass Gilroy, you smell the you smell the garlic. You get used to that living there. Yeah, I think I stopped smelling it after. But then, when, if I leave for a while and I come back, I'll smell it. Yeah, that's wild. It's like how Davis is like Cowtown. You smell cows. Yeah, Gilroy's garlic. <laughs> yes, I always said wind blows one way in Davis, you smell cow dung. Wind blows the other way, you somehow smell forest fires. Like yeah. it's wild. Yeah. Or like, have you ever been to Milwaukee? No, I've never been. Um, there's a ton of breweries there. And mm-hmm. so like people talk about driving into Milwaukee and you actually smell the yeast from mm. the breweries. So you smell, I think the yeast. And so it smells like bread. Like but fermented, actually yeah. the beer making process, which is mm-hmm. wild. There's also a little, um, I feel like this probably every city has some sort of chocolate factory, but there's a chocolate factory like downtown Chicago and the wind changes directions and depending on where you are, you smell chocolate, Ooh. which is wild. I want to live near there. You can. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's a guilty pleasure food for you? If you subscribe to that notion. Um, I think anything sweet. I, I have a huge sweet tooth. So anything sugary, mango ice cream, any kind of ice cream, mango chocolate, chocolates, chocolate's a big one. Mangoes and chocolates are my two sweet, guilty pleasure things. That's funny. I was just going to ask if you were more of like the fruit sweet or the chocolate sweet, but it sounds like maybe both. 
both chocolate covered mangoes, chocolate covered strawberries. I was gonna say, do you mess with? Yeah, do you mess with chocolate covered fruit? Yeah, I love chocolate covered strawberries. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Okay, so I really like. I don't do a lot of fruit and chocolate together, but I like chocolate covered strawberries. But I don't like when like they like come out of the freezer or the fridge and then they're there for a second and they start to get condensation on the chocolate. Mm. That grosses me out. Yeah, I don't like that either. It gets all, it gets wet, like wet. It's like. Yes. And then you like bite into it and sometimes like it, like the strawberry pops out and then you have this like weird wet chocolate shell. That, yeah. that I don't want. Yeah, I don't like that either. Apparently I'm complaining. <laughs> but it's other people's work because I'm not making it, right? I, I, <laughs> yeah. I've never covered something in chocolate. I think you can't just make them at home. You can just like buy yeah. chocolate chips, melt them, and then. Well, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, if you don't add something like coconut oil or like a re, something that like emulsifies but then turns back into solid, Mm -hmm. then you have to rely too heavily on the cooling. So maybe that's what it is. Like, if you rely too much on your freezer, that's what's going to get you a a wet strawberry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) This is really important stuff we're getting to the bottom (laughs) science of chocolate covered strawberries that's right um what about what's a food you eat when things get rough or when you're processing something or anything in between comfort i guess is the question yeah i think it's like my favorite foods again like if, i think hmm. the chicken curry or like any kind of fish curry or anything is like it helps me like relax and it just feels like home and comfort food and also like sweets also help me like when I'm stressed out or something, I tend to yeah. binge eat chocolate. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It helps. It makes you feel better. Oh yeah. That's what you need. Amen. <laughs> um, cool. So the namesake of this show, which is a classic base to many recipes is mirepoix. This three ingredient Holy Trinity takes many forms all over the globe. Uh, it's only referred to as mirepoix this principle in France, but has a lot of different um, names and ingredients uh, that manifest all over in different ways. So what's your mirepoix? What ingredients do you use on the regular to start a cooking process? Uh, I think it depends. If I'm making something like Sri Lankan food, then I would have to be garlic, ginger, and curry powder or onions, I guess, too. Garlic, garlic, ginger, and onions, I'd say. Yeah. Because everything starts with, like, the, the spices. You got to fry them up and make them all, like, stink your house up with them and then add whatever yeah. you can add. Um, yeah, the chili, all, like, whenever I make it, though, like, I, I just can't breathe. Like, the chilies will just... And if, if I make the mistake of putting my head over the pan, then... Oh, yeah. It's like a punch in the face. <laughs> yeah, garlic, ginger, and and onions yeah and does do any of those transcend if you're not making sri lankan food yeah i definitely always have onions in in most of what i'm cooking and the the garlic and ginger helps i think i put them in a lot of like uh like when i'm making chinese food Uh i mean i put it in a lot or any kind of asian food thai food yeah i worked at a thai restaurant for a while oh yeah that's right i should have mentioned that yeah so i'm very familiar with thai food too um if I'm making other stuff though, I think onions, bell peppers, and then serranos are like my th- the miracle. I'd say, yeah. if I'm making 
I think Mexican food it helps. That's it, like the starter I always start with. Yeah, and do you do a lot of cooking? Yeah, I, I think I cook. I'm like the the cook in the family. Like whenever I go yeah. home, yeah. When did when did the reins get handed over to you? When we were kids, and my sister and my brother wanted nothing to do with it, and like uh-huh. they were they were out of the kitchen. My mom would just be like, "All right, well, when I'm gone, you got to do it then, Hajj." Yeah, yeah. And I liked it too. I had a lot of fun. My both my grandma and my mom teaching me. That's awesome. So uh, what's in your fridge? What are items that you can always find in your pantry or uh, in your kitchen? I think the aforementioned things, onions, yeah. garlic, and ginger, I've, you know, I've always got. Um, they make everything taste better. Um, I'll always have serrano peppers too because I, I like the, I think they bring in even heat. It's not too spicy, but it's not like nothing. Um, is there mm, limes i've always got limes because yeah. i like making salsas and any kind of sauce and limes really help the acidity and everything yeah limes lemons lemons are the same same reason yeah and then oh cucumber tomato salad is something i've always got in my fridge oh, yeah. just cut some cuts dice up some or not dice up but like cut up some cucumbers and cut up some tomatoes lemon salt and pepper oh yeah oh and you good. also worked at um an Italian deli, right? Oh, Zia's too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you worked everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I worked in food service. I actually mentioned that in the beginning. I worked in food service for like about five, four or five years. Yeah, that's great. Um, if we aren't eating blank, then it isn't blank. Hmm. <laughs> Gotta get creative. If we aren't eating... Which, you know, that could be a holiday or a day of the week or mm. festive. I'd say if we aren't eating honey ham, it's not Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Honey ham. Yeah. Spiced it's honey that, ham. Do you make it or do you pick it up somewhere? My, this is my, like, my aunt's recipe. My, my aunt's the one who always makes it. I've, I've, like, watched her make it every Thanksgiving for the last few years, but she makes it pretty good. So I don't, I don't, I don't bother with like yeah. <laughs> trying. <laughs> if somebody else is supplying, you don't yeah. need to reinvent the wheel. That's right. All right. It's a celebration. How do you know your family was going all out with food? What restaurants did you go to? What plates came out of the cupboard? How big was the spread? Mm. Our celebratory foods are... Well, I only go home for like the holidays for Christmas and stuff. Yeah. And it's a, a Sri Lankan traditional dish is called kiribat, uh-huh. which is we only bring, we only make it on uh we make it for, for Christmas some some years, but we only really normally make it for New Year's. Uh-huh. Uh on New Year's Day and it's like uh rice that's cooked in coconut milk and coconut and some other stuff. So it's like this really mushy coconutty um rice and then they eat it we eat it normally with like with uh, like just use it as as rice like for shrimp curry or for things but it's it's more rich uh-huh. and so i think that's like the the number one thing we do another thing we do when we come home to when like when all the grandkids come home my grandma will make hoppers uh-huh. so it's a uh it's another sri lankan dish so they have and they have these little like pans that are like uh rounded like there's no there's no flat bottom they're like round bottoms uh-huh. so you have to put them on the burner 
it has you have to have a burn like a gas burner it won't work on like an electric stove yeah. you gotta put it on a gas burner and then um it's like a coconut batter you put and you swirl it around so it's like this thin crepe kind oh, of like wow. round bowl thing and sometimes you can crack a crack a crack an egg in there or put coconut milk but that's like the, the special occasion dish like she, my grandma will like go to my aunt's house and have all everybody over and she'll just sit there and like make the pans and we'll all be talking and eat it that's awesome yeah, it's really good. Is that what time of day do you usually eat that? I think that's more of a dinner time. Like we we eat it with like curry and things, or oh. lunch or dinner time. Cool. And like normally after you after we eat it, like we're all just like lethargically laying around because we're just too full. Yeah, <laughs> that's part of celebration, right? Somehow yeah. it's like it's bringing everybody to absolute fullness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, what food for you is home? What recipe do you hope is on the table when you visit family? Mm. Maybe related, right? Yeah, right. I think I ran through all of them. Hoppers is definitely the, like the one of the number ones. Um, and yeah, hoppers is definitely the number one. My my, it's called upum in Tamil. Um, okay. Upum. So if you look up hoppers upum, you might find it. Is I don't there, think. Oh, good. Sorry. I don't think I think it might be difficult to make in in America because you need the pan. Yeah. So I don't, and I haven't seen the pans anywhere in in any of the stores here. We have to like go to Sri Lanka to buy them. My grandma says she's gonna give me hers when she when she croaks, which okay. yeah, <laughs> I, I always tell her like don't talk like that. But yeah, she's like, no, you're the only one who's gonna use it. Is there anything that if like you were visiting your family, if it wasn't there, you'd be shocked? I think sh- seafood, shrimp, shrimp curry or crab curry. Um, yeah. We always have that. I think that's the main difference between Sri Lankan food and Indian food is we have more seafood because yeah. we're an island. Yeah. So the crab curry is really good. I that's that's another thing I should have mentioned. Crab curry is really good. Sounds good. But yeah, any kind of any kind of seafood on the on the on the table. That's awesome. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. All right, fill in the blank. What Americans don't understand about blank is blank. Loaded question. Yeah. In the context of food. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's. <laughs> I don't know if I'm sure that I'm the right one to make blanket statements about. Sure. Food. Well, and the parenthetical is some, right? What okay. what some Americans don't understand. Yeah. Oh, then I'll get, I think I'll say like, there's no, there's, there's not a lot of Sri Lankan restaurants, but the closest thing is like Indian or South Asian or South Indian food. And I think like when Americans go, it's like these super rich curries with a bunch of like ghee and coconut milk and things. Yeah. And that's not how we eat all the time. That's how it is at the restaurants because that's right. like, we, we, we make our food closer to how like American tastes so that we can sell our food but i think it's it's more the the spice and like the 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 spice and everything tends to be like if with authentic food the spice tends to be higher or like either the same or higher but it's not as rich normally like we don't need we don't always put a tub of ghee and a bunch of coconut milk in our food so i think that's the number one thing and i think it, it helps a lot too like you you definitely taste a lot of things when there's not when you're not like your tongue isn't coated with butter and like richness you taste a lot of other stuff oh yeah yeah full range of cuisine right yeah 
What's a food or cuisine that you found in your adult life that changed how you thought about food or food practice? Um, I think getting a blender really helps me um, when I was in college. Cause yeah. yeah, like college and then like right after college to these last couple of years, the, I was running or like, I, I got really busy nowadays, not really, but like when I was working, every day of the week it was good to I think it helped like organize my like maybe not maybe not organize but like what's it called streamline mm-hmm. streamline my life just because I didn't normally I I eat like eat like 100% for pleasure like yeah. every meal is every like I'll put effort into every meal but then once yeah. I once I started working every day and like I didn't have time the blender really helped me like think of food not as like a comfort or as a pleasure thing but as something like if I don't like the first couple of days, I I was just wouldn't eat breakfast, which is terrible for me because I'm used to eating breakfast. Yeah, and I was out like I, I just didn't feel good. I was like hungry and starving. I couldn't focus on my work. Yeah. So like like getting a blender and getting like and just like chucking some fruit and some protein powder or whatever in there and blending it up for the day, and so I'd have something in the morning. It really helped me think about food not as pleasure, but as you know, sustenance. Like, which I think is healthy too. It's it's healthy to to see that you know. It, it's to both find both pleasure and like the necessity of food. Yeah. Like you need, you need to eat healthy. So I think it helped. Yeah. And that it's so true. Like, yeah, the busier are, it's funny cause the busier you are, the more you sort of long for the pleasurable foods, mm-hmm. right? But it's harder to make them happen. Yeah. Speaking of blenders, I got an immersion blender this year. Oh, the stick one. Yeah, and that's a game. Yeah, that especially for soups and sauces. Like, mm-hmm. my goodness. And if you if you they help when you mess things up too. Like if you're making a, a custard or like some kind of thing and you it's like too thick, you just go. Bzz. Yeah, yeah. Save it. Well, and even like speaking of messing things up, like sometimes I'm like making a soup and I actually cook it longer, so like my chunks are falling apart. Mm-hmm. So then immersion blender comes in and you can say, no, this was always supposed to be puree. <coughs> Especially with the starches. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can sneak stuff in there. Like speaking of mirepoix, like doing um, carrots and onion and, and uh, celery and soup. Like what, if I bite into those things in a soup, I'm less interested in it. Like that makes it feel like chicken noodle in a way that I don't mm-hmm. want it to. Um, but I feel like that's like the genius of the emergent blender is you can get those like layered flavors from like onion and carrot and celery or things like that. Mm-hmm. And you're getting the flavor, but you're not biting into a chunk of it, which I think yeah. sometimes is desirable. Yeah. Yeah. Texture. I can think it with ginger too, actually. Mm-hmm. Getting the essence of ginger without biting into the ginger can sometimes be yeah yeah like getting a big hunk or garlic too oh yeah yeah too much yeah um what's uh your biggest recipe fail Mm, i like barbecuing a lot because i like meat you you probably can't relate but i like i love meat and steaks and ribs um nowadays i think i'm i I gotten better at it but when i was a kid I, i would always um make my dad go buy like a rack of ribs and i would try to make it and the first few times when i was a kid i was i always thought that like i didn't really understand like heat control and i would just blast it 
So I didn't pay attention to the recipe and I just put the ribs in the grill on the highest heat and I let it sit for two hours because I thought that's what you're supposed to do. And then when I went back outside, well, this happened multiple times. And like when I went, when I went back outside, it was just like the bones and like the meat was all like blackened and off, which was sad enough. But then there was like one time, I think a couple times, like I didn't, I didn't learn my lesson. I kept doing it. And then a couple times in, I'd forgotten like a brush in, in the, in the barbecue. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, it was like when I went, when I checked back after 15 minutes, the brush was on fire and like the bristles, the, the had a wooden handle. So it was on fire yeah. and the, the grill was up against the wall of the house. So the back wall of the house was just blackened with soot. Oh my God. And my dad made me wash it and repaint it. How old were you when you were grilling? I think I was like 11 or 12 or something. That's wild. Yeah. I, I, I liked cooking, but I wasn't yeah. very good at it. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what is it? What was it like cooking at, you know, sort of pre-adolescent? Um, I think at that point it came more from my love of eating. I just uh-huh. liked eating more than I liked cooking, and I wanted to make nice things. And my parents would only make rice and curry. They wouldn't make they wouldn't make any American foods or burgers or like lasagna or anything. Uh-huh. So I always had to push them and like beg them to make let me make the stuff that I wanted to make. And it didn't, half the time it didn't turn out good. It came out terrible, but I was still just, I just like trying, you know? And then when my grandma came to visit, that's when I got more hands-on, like when my grandma would let me in the kitchen. Because I think normally growing up, it's like my mom didn't want me in the kitchen because I one, I was a pest. And two, I think it's like, well, not so much with my parents, but with, with like with other family, extended family members, when like when we went to cousins and aunts' houses, they would kick the men out of the kitchen just because that's how it is. Uh-huh. My my mom was always like, whatever you do, what you want. Yeah, but I I think it, yeah, it just came more from wanting to eat things that my parents didn't want to make. I love that. Yeah. Um, so it's funny. I actually skipped this question accidentally, but it's more related right now to what you just said. Mm-hmm. You're nine years old. Who's in your kitchen? Who's doing the cooking, and what are they making? Mm. When I'd say it was, it was always, hmm. it really depends. Well, my family was, my family was more, uh, it was pretty progressive for like a traditional Sri Lankan family. Like my dad was also, also helped cook and everything. Um, I'd say most of the time though, it was my grandma and my mom. And they were always making some kind of curry or something. But uh, when my dad was in the kitchen, his favorite thing to make, and he made this a lot when I was a kid, um, was mutton rolls. So nah. it's like a, the, you make a mutton curry, um, and, and it's like a thick, it's mostly, it's like a very meaty curry. You put yeah. most, mostly mutton and then spices and if if you want potatoes or something. And then you make like a, a pancake, like a crepe batter. Uh-huh. And you make these little pancakes and then you roll the, like you make like a little burrito with the mutton. It's like this big. Um, And then you bread it and then you fry it and then you eat it. And that was something that my dad and my, like, like that was like a family event thing too. Like when, when I was nine or 10, we'd go over Mm -hmm. to like my, my grandma's house and like my dad would make the curry and my aunt would be making the crepes and then they'd be like rolling it up together. And what's the pancake made out of? Buckwheat flour. It's a, yeah, it's a, just buckwheat flour, eggs, and then water or milk. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's like a really thin type of crepe, not really a pancake. It's like flat, and then they just roll it. 
roll it, bread it, fry it. Mutton rolls. That sounds fantastic. Does anybody do it without mutton? Yeah, I think they do. For Sri Lankans aren't vegetarians like the rest of India. That's another big difference between Sri Lankan and Indian food. Oh, yeah. We're we're mostly Buddhist and Catholic. Uh-huh. Um, so we're not we're not Hindu, so we can eat meat. But there are there are people who there are still a lot of Hindus in Sri Lanka, so they eat more like potatoes and peas. They they would put potato and pea curry in there, I think. Good stuff either way. Man. Now I want that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's a recipe hack that you found that you'll always stick with? I think it's more like, or when I'm, when I'm busy, I think it's like, just like doing things ahead of time. Having like, if you have to, like for the Mirapua example, if I'm making something that has Mirapua, like, I don't know, bolognese or something. I dice everything up ahead of time so that you can just throw it in there when it when it's ready. Um, my sister actually, she buys, she can't cut onions unless, because she starts crying. Yeah. So she'll buy, like, the they have it at Safeway. It's already pre-cut or Trader Joe's. They have, like, the pre-cut onions. Yeah. Which, I guess, yeah, if it works for you, if you, if you can't cut onions. Oh, yeah. That works. Yeah. Um, I did the thing where I light a candle while I cut onions. I don't know if it actually helps or not. Does it help? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, she, she I'm wore... also like doing this, you know, <laughs> trying to avoid. It's a little like like you said about the peppers in the pan. Like yeah. whenever my eyes like really freak out from cutting onions, it's uh, I'm like not paying. I'm forgetting that that's a possibility. Right. So I'm like getting in there in a particular way that if I was like back or whatever, yeah, I wouldn't be as much of a crisis. Yeah. That's yeah. If you, if you like, if you're right over it and you mm-hmm. just get a face full of the Allison or whatever it is that makes you cry. Yeah. Uh, my sister wore goggles one time when I wasn't there. Cause, uh, cause whenever I'm home, she doesn't normally cook, but I was, I wasn't there and she said she was wearing goggles and it just made it like it just trapped the gas in there and she was just crying nonstop. Ooh, that didn't help. Yeah. I uh I I do some like food prep and but it's more like <laughs> it's on a whim a lot of the times but the mm-hmm. one thing that I realize that helps me a ton is I'll get like a bunch of fruit and I will cut it all up mm-hmm. and then I will put like 2 thirds of it into a freezer bag for smoothies. Mm-hmm. And one third of it, I'll put some lime or lemon juice on to have some like handy fruit salad. Mm-hmm. And that's a game changer. Yeah. That sounds good now. I want fruit. Yeah, right? But like on a random Tuesday when I want pineapple, I don't want to cut up a pineapple. Like mm-hmm. that's how my brain works. Yeah. But if I already have it, if I did it on a Sunday, way better. Yeah, yeah it's the, that's like the disadvantage to, to food prep is it, it, it like requires forethought. And yes. I don't normally think ahead. And sometimes, like I've been doing this this week, I had uh, I cut up carrots and peppers, and then I opened a can of corn and chickpeas, and I just put it in a tub together, and I've been throwing that in salads. Ooh. And that's nice because I've already done a, like half of the prep for the salad, right? Mm-hmm. And then actually, what I just did today, so I used it on two salads, but then the rest of it I actually Partially because I had already cut it. I, I was thinking about this, but I roasted the rest of it. So mm. now it's like I did spices and salt and olive oil. 
just to act, literally create some variety and also um, I didn't want the carrots to dry out. So it was carrots, chickpeas, and corn? And red pepper. And red pepper. Yeah. Ooh, that sounds so good. then now I have garlicky roasted vegetables, which I'm actually letting cool so I can put them back the back in the salad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Smart. Thanks. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have a hard time eating the same thing over and over again. So I have to like will variety into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Unless it's curry, then uh, I think I'm, I've gotten used to it. But yeah, other, yeah, I can't eat, I can't eat things the same, same day over and over again. That's why leftovers normally go bad in my fridge. Yes. Although I have eaten, uh, I made a big batch of peanut noodles and I've eaten them every day for three days. So... <laughs> We'll see. We'll see if I make it through the whole bowl. Um, what's a recipe that you highly recommend and what makes it special? Hmm. Presumably one that you make in your house, personally. But I think I'm just going to go with the stereotype and say curry again because it's it's like it's really good and it's it's simple. And it doesn't take like a lot of effort, you know, just fry, fry some onions, add the spices, add like the garlic and the ginger and then chili if you can do it, if you do that. And then add whatever meat or whatever you want and then stock or yogurt, then you're done. Or you you let it sit for a little bit, but then you're done. So I think it's, it's like, and it's good healthy food. You can just, you can make, you do it with with chicken or like any kind of meat or any kind of veggie. Um, Yeah. I think it's a good staple. And I think you bring up a really good point that there's like potentially this like, and you talked about it earlier, but like a misunderstanding that that's like curries are like really calorie dense. Yeah. And like um, decadent. Mm-hmm. But there's plenty of versions of it that actually are like fresh and nutrient rich. Yeah. Yeah. The, the way my mom, my mom was like pretty health conscious cooking growing up and she, like she, the only thing she knew how to make was curry, but she would put, um, instead of coconut milk, she would put yogurt. Instead of ghee, she would put like, well, she like olive oil or butter, like, so it wasn't as like, clarif- like clarified, it wasn't as bad. Yeah. Um, and then she would add like a lot of vegetables and like make curries with the, with the vegetables too, instead of just having meat. So like chickpeas, yeah. okra. Um, eggplant curry. Um, but yeah, I think, and it's, it's like, it's a good healthy food and it's also good, like for to, like learning how to cook, learning how to, how brown, how much to brown your like food and spices before adding other stuff in. I think it's, it's a good like staple kind of dish to yeah. learn. And a good, le- yeah. Like you, I think you're saying like this, uh, a good lesson in like flavor layering mm-hmm. and building flavor. Yeah. Yeah, and having to like taste your food and see it, like how much you put, like taste for salt, taste for spice, taste for yeah, like like the gravy, like how much yogurt you want to, or how much coconut milk you want to put in there, and everything. Yeah, this is a big rewind, but what kind of fish goes in fish curry in this context? Really, any kind of fish. I yeah. think. What do you something use? we use? My favorite. It's you can't really get it here unless you go to like a in. Then this is an Indian butcher nearby. 
Um, but Kingfish is really good. It's like a really like dense kind of like meaty. Like when you when you're making when you're making a fish curry or a seafood curry, shrimp is good. Yeah. But you don't you don't want to use like you don't want to use tilapia or any of those fish that are gonna like flake because then it's just gonna be like a mush. So you have to use a fish that's gonna hold together. Um, so you can maybe get away with salmon, right? You can get away with salmon. Yeah, salmon's good. Um, mackerel's good. Um, I think pomfret. Pomfret's another good one too. We we my mom only went with mackerel and pomfret because they're cheap and they're pretty good. They work yeah. pretty well. But kingfish, if you if you're ever in Sri Lanka, get kingfish curry. All right, I promise. <laughs> I'm a huge seafood fan. I was me too. Also thinking about when you mentioned crab curry, that sounds like a dream. Yeah, it's so good. Well, that, that's like a special occasion dish too. Okay. We don't normally yeah. make that out. That's for like when all the grandkids are home or something. My grandma will make that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what chef or food practitioner do you recommend looking into? Hmm. I. My mom and my grandma both love Ina Garden. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, that's like they're like when they when they try American dishes or something, they'll they'll go to her. Yeah. Um, I would say YouTube is where I learned because because like the yeah. there's just so much going on now and there's so many like the I I feel like with um all these like celebrity or like professional cooking shows they have there's like no room for error but youtube kind of they're just people cooking in their in their homes so they're it's much more personable and then it's also like more translatable because these are people who are cook in their homes they're not like professional chefs in a professional setting you know they're just at home making food for their families and that's a, it's a different kind of sets like skill set that you need working in a restaurant versus working like cooking at home yeah so yeah the there are channels i can give to because i actually i have the um, I, I normally watch um Adam Ragusia is a good one. He's like this Italian dude on um YouTube who yeah makes some good videos. And then Jay Kenji Alt Lopez or J Kenji Lopez Alt, he he does this blog for Serious Eats about food science and like how oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, the the those are really good ones. Jay um Kenji's uh breakfast potatoes recipe is really good. Whoa. I have been really interested to see like um, food practice stuff develop on TikTok too. Like, yeah, I noticed there's a lot of like, for, forgive the phrase, like regular people on TikTok who are like, I'm going to show you how I make something I've been making for 20 years, you know? And that's pretty cool. Like, I feel like actually representation wise, a ton of moms, like a ton of middle aged women. Yeah um sharing their recipes with like eager audiences you know and that's been pretty cool yeah i've seen a lot of those videos on tiktok too the some of them are like some of them are kind of, like i well the ones that i've seen are like hit and miss some of them like i'm like eh, i don't know about that but then i saw this recipe for cajun alfredo cajun chicken alfredo that looked it looked like it was like a gut bomb. It looked like it was gonna like I'd be like in bed for like a day after. But it looked really good. <laughs> Maybe worth it. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, what are you working on right now, food or uh, food related or not, that you want to share with listeners? Um, I made 
I made a tres leches cake for my sister's birthday last week. It was a mocha tres leches. Oh wow, that was pretty good. Like you, I just you just add like the you know it's like the three milks evaporated milk, condensed milk, and then regular milk, and then I just added some espresso powder and like mixed it up, and it, it came out really good. Did it? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it was really good. Um, you, when you make tres leches, do you soak it? Yeah, so you you like you bake the sponge cake and then uh you so yeah, you you bake the sponge cake and then you after it like rests, you can what what I did, what I did was I cut it in half and then I put like espresso whipped cream. Uh I whipped the cream and then I added like espresso powder and yeah. I put it in the middle and then I just soaked the whole thing. You just pour the whole thing on top. Like you That's amazing. And do you do a lot of baking? I realize we talked a lot about entrees. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I, I, I try to, because I think baking is more time consuming than cooking because yeah. you got to sit and wait for it to bake. Um, I try to do a lot. I haven't done that much recently. And, but it's been dangerous too with quarantine because I am not as active as I was. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's wild, right? Like, yeah. so much more time in the house, seated. And pro- I think a lot of us spending a lot more time baking, let alone yeah. eating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the first couple of, of weeks I was making bread. Like, yeah. uh, I, I learned how to make bread. I was making bread a lot. And that was not good for my tummy, my waistline. <laughs> yeah. Well, any uh, quarantine cooking takeaways? Um, it's been nice having more time to, to cook and everything. I can, I can definitely take my time. And if I, even if like the day of, if I decide that I want to make something different, I can just go to the store. I, it's not like when I was working and yeah. I didn't have time, but it's also made me think more about trying to get a healthy relationship with food. Cause I don't have a healthy relationship with it. I eat too much all the time. Which and it's normally okay because I I lead a normally lead a have like a, a active lifestyle where I can get away with eating yeah. three thousand calories a day, but nowadays I can't do that. Yeah. So I got to figure out. I think it's a good thing, good like skill to learn long term though because I'm not going to be twenty one forever and no. I'm not going to have the metabolism of a twenty one year old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got to. That's something I still got to figure out. I'm still yeah. trying to practice. I'm not very good at it. I'm gonna learn. Well, you got time. Let's hope. Well, Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, Ahash, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, what a dream. Hopefully we'll see each other in person someday soon. Someday soon, yeah. I want to thank you for joining me on Mirepoix Podcast and thank our house band siblings for the use of their song, Jars. Be sure to check them out on Spotify. I also want to invite you to subscribe to support Mirepoix directly on Anchor and follow me on Instagram where you can receive behind-the-scenes content about this podcast and my own food practice. Till we feast again.